This is Window on the East, a podcast from BNE IntelliNews. Subscribe at bne.eu. Hello and welcome to Window on the East with me, Ben Aris, the editor of BNE IntelliNews. It's a new dawn in Ukraine following the dramatic presidential and parliamentary elections this year. Now the question is to build up the new economy, and banking will play a key role. There was a banking gold rush in 2006 when foreigners rushed in to snap up at ridiculous prices any banking asset they could get their hands on. This time round, everyone's being a little bit more cautious. That's not true in the case of Bank Lviv, which is a foreign-owned bank based in the regional capital of Lviv that focuses on small and medium-sized enterprises. I talked to Ashot Abrahimian, who's the CEO, about his business and the prospects for the development of the sector. So, Ashot, um, good to meet. Um, you're the uh, CEO of um, Bank uh, Lviv, uh, which is operating in, in uh, one of Ukraine's most famous regional towns. Um, but the shareholder is the shareholding is unusual in so much as that you're, you're foreign-owned. Exactly, who are the shareholders, and, and how do they come to be in Ukraine? So 51% of the bank belongs to Swiss-based uh, responsibility. It's uh, actually investment fund, fund which is managing uh, asset manager, pretty well known. I think you don't need probably detailed information. They based in Zurich and they are investing in development countries in financial sectors, mostly banks who operate in SME, agri or uh, work with uh, energy efficiency and, and this kind of stuff. So, and 40, uh, almost 9% belongs to a private person, uh, Margier Peturson. So he's the final beneficiary owner, but the investment uh, itself is is managed by two other legal entities. And he's a, a former chess grandmaster, you were saying, right. is that right? from Iceland. Yes. From Iceland. So yes. how is it an Icelandic investor ended up in Lvov? Uh, the, it's just, as you're saying, they've got a, a number of investments in, in banks scattered around in emerging markets. Is that right? Right. I think it was also after uh, just uh, Mr. Peterson with a couple of other uh, investors, they decided just to invest in Ukraine. Exactly. It was the booming time. Those which, days. which year was this? 2006. Right. So that was part of the whole gold rush when lots and lots of foreign investors came rushing into Ukraine to snap up banks at crazy valuations like four, five, six times book. But then the Orange Revolution happened and a lot of people withdrew again. But in the bank, Lviv's case, um, they stuck it out. They're, they're, they've been there the whole time. Is that right? Uh, right, and it was, I think, not easy times for the for the bank and shareholder. And but uh, basically, they managed then to survive all, all crisis. And the bank is uh, was always known as a local bank, as a very stable and and solid bank. And just in order to develop the bank further, Mr. Peterson just he understood that he cannot develop the bank alone. He needed partner, he needed capital, and so just they, they found each other. Responsibility wanted to invest and he wanted to have a partner. 
and this partnership actually then started three years ago, like first talks uh, started uh, quite a long time ago, but it realized uh, last year. The bank's focus is mainly on, on SMEs and agricultural companies, is that not right? Right. After the entry of responsibility, yes, the bank changed the strategy to, to become an SME bank. Before that, it was more or less the loan portfolio consisted of mainly some big corporate clients. And then that's it, basically. And, and the, the SMEs, I mean, of course, the... This is a badly needed part um, of the economy that has to develop. It gives the stability and the growth and, more importantly, jobs and incomes to Ukrainians. But is it really a, a productive business? I think the SME sector in general is, is rather underdeveloped, isn't it? Uh, actually, there are quite... Uh uh, different types of SMEs. We, we finance basically all types of economic activities. We have quite nice production companies. We have a lot of services. We have as well trade. And just the location, uh, Lviv and Western part, it's, I think, has some specific. It's very close to Europe. And uh, companies which really, uh, after especially crisis with Russia, uh, many companies need to find new markets and they, they did manage to find the new markets in Europe and we have quite interesting companies who are also exporting to Europe and I think the, the, the market is there, the demand for loans, well, loans is there, we, we can confirm it already with our two years experience here before coming to the bank we did also some surveys which were also confirming that, that there is a big potential to grow. From other side, we have macroeconomical figures like loans to GDP. It's still, I think, after crisis time, it's now slightly around 20%, below 20%. So there is clearly a big, big, uh, let's say, room for, for development and for developing economy. And the agricultural, so, uh, the agricultural sector, I mean, in Ukraine, agriculture tends, because of the way the land leasing works, it tends to be dominated by uh, a few very large companies, MHP, um, Avatar, I mean, the companies like this. Um, but are you dealing with those large corporations or are there smaller agricultural Not, not really. This is not, this is not our segment. They are too big for us and we also don't want to, to work with them. We actually start with the farmers who has lands, let's say, starting from 100 hectares, so up to approximately 2,000 hectares. So, and it's different types of, again, agricultural, it's not only crops, but also animal uh, breedings, different types. There are milk productions, egg production, chicken production. There are a lot of interesting things. There is a big potential for fruits and vegetables growing market as well. So, and actually, very few banks work with this segment. Everybody wants to work with these bigger clients, but uh, the, the this segment whom we are now attracting actually two, three banks who are seriously targeting these customer groups. How many agricultural companies do you 
have as customers then roughly? Is it like tens, hundreds, thousands? Uh, no, we have, I think, now well, we started like one and a half years ago. We have a long portfolio around six million, uh, six million dollars. And we have like average loan amount there is around so $80,000. So we basically have around, yeah, up to 100 clients, 70, 80 clients. And is that developing? I mean, the new president, Zelensky, is talking about introducing a land market specifically for farmland. I mean, this is uh, obviously a political issue, um, selling land. But um, is there enough of a market, um, private freeholders of land, uh, so that the sector is developing? Or is it still, like, consolidating and the smaller farms are being taken over by the bigger farms? Uh, of course, there is a lot of land uh, which is just rented out uh, to, to bigger farms or to smaller farms who just operate and just pay rent uh, to, these, to these companies. And uh, when this reform starts, of course, there will be big potential for basically buying this land, and which again will increase demand for loans. And of course, some companies might want to to buy bigger land. It might uh, become to a consolidating of this of this the really uh, corporate and larger clients. The, the segment with whom we are working, I think they they will continue working. Even they will probably have a better potential to to grow again. But at least I participated in a meeting two weeks ago with new president he met the business community all representative also foreign companies at least he's clearly saying that he will do everything to support businesses to uh, to make their life easier to remove away the whole bureaucratic things he abolished uh, around 164 previous kind of uh, laws or regulations which were somehow a burden on, on the businesses. At least so far he's, he's saying clearly that he, he's on the business side and will do everything that companies can work without any problems, they can invest, they can enlarge. But the precondition is that everybody has to pay taxes, mm. which is also def definitely very positive. Equal rights for everybody. There should be no monopolies. So, but so far these are only speeches. We will see what what will be the real the real actions. You don't focus much on consumer financing, but then if you look across the border to Russia, that the banking sector, uh, particularly in the boom years in the noughties, uh, was driven by very rapid expansion in consumer lending and unsecured. Uh, loans. Why don't why don't you think consumers are are interesting? I mean, uh, at this point in Ukraine. Uh, actually, consumer loans we do, but in a very passive way. Uh, we rather serve uh, employees of our clients, our business clients. We serve our deposit clients if they want to get also some mortgage loan or whatever, some small consumer loan or draft. We do, we do have such loans. The interest rate level now on consumer loans, it's like 
starting from 50% up to 200% if you calculate the effective interest rates, which sometimes clients does not really understand, do not really understand. And it's just, I think, it's, it's an important, interesting market, but uh, I think we just, we, we focus on our target group and we do not have also enough inside the bank to, to enter this kind of business. We have still a lot of homework to do with our core focus groups. And we do not plan also strategically to have a bigger portion in our loan portfolio in consumer loans. So we probably it would be from 8 to 10%, not bigger. Mm-hmm. The banking sector um, has, well, Ukraine has been through a really terrible last two, three years uh, after the economy effectively collapsed by 15%, I think it was in 2015. However, the banking sector um, this year has returned to profit, and now it seems to be on a path to sustainable growth and increasing profits. I mean, are you seeing the same thing as the, uh, as the environment become more benign for doing banking business? Yes, I, I would agree. And I think what happened in the banking system during the last two years was positive, in my opinion. Basically, besides a lot of also criticism towards National Bank, but in the end, they cleaned up the banking system. And uh, the banks who remain on the market, probably to some banks, they still might have some questions related to their how sustainable is their business model on the long term and so on. But in general, I think the banking system somehow more or less is, is cleaned up now and uh, banks started also showing the first profits after actually five years. The yeah, banking system showed again a plus and the banks also starting, uh, starting again to, to lend to economy which is not still, I think, in the in the full speed and an amount. Some banks are more active, some banks are not. But definitely, I, I see the same tendency, so and which you, is, again, very positive. You mentioned the, the slow uh, growth in loans. Uh, I, I was just looking at the statistics, and that was my take-out, too, that deposits have been growing steadily, and it seems that banks have plenty of resources, but loan growth um, in the corporate sector has been slow and the retail sector um, has been even slower and remains even smaller. But at the moment, the, the lending is being driven by companies and on the back of economic recovery, demand is going up. But at the same time, the loan growth has been very slow. Is that not what's going on? Uh, yes, I think just some banks have still uh, some problems with cleaning up their loan portfolio. They have pretty big also collateral value, uh, which was taken as a repossessed assets on their balance sheet. They are busy with, with selling them and they are a bit afraid, again, of going to the, to the lending business. Some banks have, I think, still some issues with increasing capital and so on. They cannot afford, again, strong growth from this perspective. And uh, third, I think issue, again, there are, I think, also a limited uh, good, so to say, corporate clients in the market, 
with good credit risk history to whom again the, these big banks uh, were willing willing to lend and uh, this is i think rather the the explanation at this moment and some banks are thinking trying to find for them a new kind of niches the um, MPLs uh, sector-wide uh, are something like just over 50%, and the state-owned banks and Privat Bank here stands out um, are way higher. I think in Privat's case, it's something like 85% of the loans are, are bad. Um, but you're saying that the, this... Uh, I talked to Gontereva, the former governor of the MBU, um, last week in London, and she was saying that the, these loans are not toxic because they've been provisioned for. But doesn't that mean that the bank has a lot of its capital tied up in provisions, which is not available for lending? And at the same time, the profits are there, but they're not big enough so that you can actually retire all these NPLs. So the banks are sort of treading water, um, having to carry the weight of the NPLs. Isn't it the biggest problem that the banking sector faces at the moment is how to get rid of all this bad debt? I think it's a quite complex issue and one needs to, uh, to look on, on several uh, different yeah, elements of it. I mean, one thing is this NPL loans. This is uh, basically the classification of national bank. So NPL loan basically means, yeah, if either it's, it's in arrears over 90 days, it's can be just classification of the client based on, on his formal financial statement and accounting. And just, just there is all this difference. Uh, for example, you could have, you could have a, a client uh, who is, according to NBU classification in this NPL category, but he's serving uh, normally his loan amount. Yeah, there is there is certain portion of, of this NPL uh, in this. Let's call it a normal normal loans. Uh, to understand why like this, that we all know that uh, there is still yeah quite I think uh, high level of shadow economy in the market, and there are forms of. Uh, registration for entrepreneurs, like you know, this uh, private entrepreneurs FOP in in Russian or Ukraine, uh, which have just different uh, kind of tax regimes, and they they operate. They show certain uh, turnover, uh, but they uh, they earn enough money basically, which but the taxes which are paid are not showing the the exact basically. Uh, the incomes what they can earn and uh, there are some clients who are just normally serving their loans but, but if you look on this form of financial statements uh, they are in a not so to say a best category and they might end up to this NPL category just this is for differentiating this but I think if we take these big banks and big uh, problematic NPLs I think there is a different story there, and there are really problematic clients. Uh, and if we talk about provisioning, if the loans are already provisioned, this means that basically, yeah, uh, the, the, this, this went through PNL, 
and it is already has deducted the, the, the capital. And the, the remaining existing capital, basically, uh, these loans are not, not influencing capital. If they have enough capital after this provisioning, this is no, not a problem to, to start lending again. And some, but, but some banks also took these, these former uh, collateral, these bad loans, and with taking, uh, besides this NPL, which are on a balance sheet of the banks, one need to look on, on these really uh, repossessed asset volumes, which are also quite significant in, in, in several banks, which basically, again, uh, is, is something which, which brings to the, to the shareholder of these banks zero profit, it's just a burden. It's it's assets which needs to be uh, converted in, into cash, and just some uh, some of them cannot manage to do it quickly. Some of them don't want to do it with existing prices. They probably hope that the prices will go up and they they can sell it with uh, with a higher prices and so on. And again, this this brings to the uh, scarcity of, of also liquid assets for lending. If they will manage to, even with some, again, uh, if they do it with some discounts, it might uh, might create, of course, additional additional losses for for these banks if they took a certain assets, let's say, with one hundred thousand dollar on their balance sheet. If they sell it now with 80,000, 80, then they have to book immediate loss of 20,000. But this 80,000 can start already working for them, earning whatever, 20% average annual interest rate in Grima. And uh, National Bank from their side is somehow motivating, pushing the banks to, to get rid of these assets, to, to have a clear plan when they are planning to, to sell it, to again convert it into, into cash. This is just, overall, I think these three elements are important. Uh, provisioning, yes, I think all these loans are provisioned. There is no risk for, for a capital. But there is, uh, might be scarcity of liquid assets for lending. And third one are these volumes of repossessed assets, which is again a burden on, on a balance sheet. And again, before, uh, kind of uh, getting uh, rid of, of this. Probably some banks are still busy with, with really topics rather with taking additional risk and going actively to lending. Uh, last question. Uh, you have mm -hmm. an, in, an investor um, and a partner. Um, however, it sounds like that they have, a, as a long-term plan, some sort of exit in mind, maybe selling to mm -hmm. a strategic investor. What, what mm -hmm. plans are there for an exit, or is it the plan to just continue to, to grow the bank uh, bigger and bigger? Uh, I think so far their plan for the next five, seven years is that they want to invest, uh, they want to stay with the bank. They might invite new, internationally well-known shareholders to join, to join the bank's shareholding structure. And yeah, probably at one point of time they they plan to sell it probably to whatever, some investor or it could be existing bank, it could be existing banking group, somebody from, from abroad. But usually uh, these investors like responsibility, they invest in order then to exit in, in some 
five, ten years period. But um, Ukraine would need to boom. I mean, I remember very well, I used to be correspondent for the banker, and I remember very well in 2005, 2006, there was this crazy gold rush into the banking sector because Ukraine was seen with 43 million people, severely underbanked, rising middle class, and suddenly all the banks, um, foreign banks, rushed in to get a piece of the action. But of course, since then, it's been you know sort of one disastrous story after another. Do you, do you think that, that that enthusiasm, that that underlying potential, which drove the last boom, do you think there's any chance of that returning any any time soon? Uh, I don't really expect a big again new banking groups coming entering into Ukraine. I think the, all these guys who entered during these booming times, they also. Uh, many of them, I think, again exited uh, during these crisis times. I think rather, I mean, but there are still uh, many international banking groups in the market which have quite strong positions. But I think the, the idea to whom it, uh, they, they could sell the bank, it just could be, I think, uh, existing Ukrainian banks who, for example, work in different uh, sectors like corporate or retail and then do not have SME uh, clients, it could be interesting investment investment for such a bank. And okay, I yeah. think, mm-hmm. yeah. Go on, what were you going to say? You, you think uh, you yeah, I think they're on a first, I think, uh, place they would see rather that it could be the buyer could be one of existing here uh, local bank present all on the market somebody who would come to mm-hmm. ukraine well Asha, thank you very much for taking the time very interesting it sounds like the banking sector is getting back on its feet uh, and that the business is going to get better from here on in but uh, i wish you all the best in your business thank you very much uh, The um, MPLs uh, sector-wide are something like just over 50%, and the state-owned banks and Privat Bank here stands out um, are way higher. I think in Privat's case, it's something like 85% of the loans are are bad. Um, But you're saying that this... uh, I I talked to Gontereva, the former governor of the MBU, um, last week in London, and she was saying that the, these loans are not toxic because they've been provisioned for. But doesn't that mean that the bank has a lot of its capital tied up in provisions, which is not available for lending? And at the same time, the profits are there, but they're not big enough so that you can actually retire all these NPLs. So the banks are sort of treading water, um, having to carry the weight of the NPLs. Isn't it the biggest problem that the banking sector faces at the moment is how to get rid of all this bad debt? I think it's a quite complex issue and one needs to, uh, to look on, on several uh, different yeah, elements of it. I mean, one thing is this NPL loans. This is uh, basically the classification of national bank. So NPL loan basically means, yeah, if either it's, it's in arrears over 90 days, it can be just classification of the client based on on his formal financial statement and accounting. And just just there is all this difference. Uh, For example, you could have have a a client 
who is, according to NBU classification, in this NPL category, but he's serving uh, normally his loan amount. Yeah, there is there is certain portion of, of this NPL uh, in this, let's call it a normal, normal loans. Uh, to understand why like this, that we all know that uh, there is still, yeah, quite, I think, uh, high level of shadow economy in the market and there are forms of uh, registration for entrepreneurs, like you know, these uh, private entrepreneurs, FOP, in, in Russian or Ukraine, uh, which have just different uh, kind of tax regimes and they, they operate, they show certain uh, turnover, uh, but they, uh, they earn enough money, basically, which but the taxes which are paid are not showing the, the exact, basically, the incomes what they can earn and there are some clients who are just normally serving their loans but if you look on this form of financial statements uh, they are in a not so to say a best category and they might end up to this NPL category just this is for differentiating this but I think if we take these big banks and big uh, problematic NPLs I think there is a different story there, and there are really problematic clients. Uh, and if we talk about provisioning, if the loans are already provisioned, this means that basically, yeah, uh, the, the, this, this went through PNL, and it is already has deducted the, the, the capital, and the, the remaining existing capital basically. These loans are not, not influencing capital. If they have enough capital after this provisioning, this is no, not a problem to, to start lending again. And some, but, but some banks also took these, these former uh, collateral, these bad loans, and was taking, uh, besides this NPL, which are on a balance sheet of the banks, one need to look on, on this really uh, repossessed asset volumes, which are also quite significant in, in, in several banks, which basically, again, uh, is, is something which, which brings to the, to the shareholder of these banks a zero profit. It's just a burden. It's, it's assets which needs to be uh, converted in, into cash. And just some, uh, some of them cannot manage to do it quickly. Some of them don't want to do it with existing prices. They probably hope that the prices will go up and they, they can sell it with a, with a higher prices and so on. And again, this, this brings to the uh, scarcity of, of also liquid assets for lending. If they will manage to, even with some, again, uh, if they do it with some discounts, it might uh, might create, of course, additional additional losses for for these banks. If they took a certain assets, let's say with one hundred thousand dollars on their balance sheet, if they sell it now with eighty eighty thousand, then they have to book immediate loss of twenty thousand. But this eighty thousand can start already working for them, earning whatever twenty percent average annual interest rate in Greenland. 
and uh, national bank from their side is somehow motivating pushing the banks to to get rid of these assets to to have a clear plan when they are planning to to sell it to again convert it into into cash this is just overall i think these three elements are important uh, provisioning yes i think all these loans are provisioned there is no risk for for a capital there is there might be scarcity of liquid assets for lending. And third one are these volumes of repossessed assets, which is again a burden on, on a balance sheet. And again, before uh, kind of uh, getting uh, rid of, of this, probably some banks are still busy with, with really these topics rather with taking additional risk and going actively to lending. Uh, last question. Uh, you have an in, an investor um, and a partner. Um, however, it sounds like that they have, a, as a long-term plan, some sort of exit in mind, maybe selling to mm -hmm. a strategic investor. What, mm -hmm. what plans are there for an exit, or is it the plan to just continue to, to grow the bank uh, bigger and bigger? Uh, I think so far their plan for the next five, seven years is that they want to invest, uh, they want to stay with the bank. They might invite new, internationally well-known shareholders to join, to join the bank's shareholding structure. And yeah, probably at one point of time they they plan to sell it probably to whatever, some investor or it could be existing bank. It could be existing banking group, somebody from, from abroad. But usually, yeah, these investors like responsibility, they invest in order then to exit in, in some five, ten years period. But so, um, so Ukraine would need to boom. I mean, I remember very well, I used to be correspondent for the banker, and I remember very well in 2005, 2006, there was this crazy gold rush into the banking sector because Ukraine was seen with 43 million people, severely underbanked, rising middle class, and suddenly all the banks, um, foreign banks, rushed in to get a piece of the action. But of course, since then, it's been you know sort of one disastrous story after another. Do you, do you think that, that that enthusiasm, that that underlying potential, which drove the last boom, do you think there's any chance of that returning any any time soon? Uh, I don't really expect a big, again, new banking groups coming, entering into Ukraine. I think the, all these guys who entered during these booming times, they also, uh, many of them, I think, again, exited uh, during these crisis times. I think rather, I mean, but there are still uh, many international banking groups in the market which have quite strong positions. But I think the, the idea to whom it they, they could sell the bank, it just could be, I think, um, existing Ukrainian banks who, for example, work in different uh, sectors like corporate or retail and then do not have SME uh, clients. It could be interesting investment, investment for such a bank. Well, Asha, thank you very much for taking the time. Very interesting. It sounds like the banking sector is getting back on its feet uh, and that the business is going to get better from here on in. But uh, I wish you all the best in your business. Thank you very much. Uh